the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Now, hey, we are uh, intentionally started the car cast after we got through the uh, bumpy uh, parts of the highway. Oh, you want to hear us jostling around? Yeah, sluts jostling. Um, but it was a, uh, it's a big night. Lots, actually, quite a few things to talk about tonight after... Uh, Talking points? Quite a few talking points, actually. I mean, right off the bat, uh, Ken Hitchcock wins his 800th career NHL game, becoming... was kind of important. Yeah. We've, we've actually, if you think about it, the season is... Uh, we're only three months into this season, and there's been a couple... Uh, a couple monumental games, types of things that well, might become slight montages become part of notes and footnotes in history between Vegas's first game here, Ken Hitchcock winning his 800th game here. Yeah. Like, passing, couple, catching and passing Al Arbor yeah, before that. A couple things like that. So, uh, and it's also the 25th anniversary of the Stars, so it's yeah. kind of a, a milestone year for them. Yeah. By the way, Dan Henry's approaching 1,000 games. Mm-hmm. Carr getting his 300th win. All right, we'll stop there, but, you know, yeah. points remain. Yeah. So tonight, Stars win 4 nothing against Chicago, improved to 3-0 against the Blackhawks. Um, and, and, and the Stars, who have still have to find much better success um, against the other teams in the division, against the Winnipegs, the Nashvilles, the St. Louis, the Oregon. We a dark cloud on him, I'm not trying to. I'm just, Man, can't let him enjoy it for one night without bringing oh. up the top three. No, you're right. It, yeah. you're absolutely, this is a big part of the season for the Stars because although it's only a handful of games, it could very well put them in reach of the top three and out of a wild card or keep them at arm's length from those top three who will have their bumps. They've had great seasons so far, a lot of games to go, but look, after the next three Central Division games, they don't play again. They play one until February after that. That's four more Central Division games until the month of February, so they're going to have to do a lot of damage against teams that are not in their division. I think a good example of what this type of success against Chicago means a good example of that is I take a look at what Brandon Saad said tonight for Chicago, where Saad was talking about how these are the type of games that will bite. He, he said it that this is the type of this is the type of game. These games against Dallas are the type of games that could keep them out of the playoffs. Sure. Um, come April because of the points with how close this division is, and he said frankly it's embarrassing with how they have, with how they've been unable to finish the job against Dallas. I think that. I don't think tonight was a finish the job. The first two with the yes, overtime yeah, points, yes. yes. But, but tonight there, there wasn't much of a job for them to finish after what the Stars well, did two periods. You have to start to be able to finish the job. That's right. <laughs> Actually, and Hitch mentioned this in his post-game presser, Chicago started the game very well. I thought the first ten minutes of the game was played all on the Stars' side of the red line. And Dallas looked like they were having trouble with zone exits. They transitioned poorly through the middle, and Chicago was just sending it right back in. And it was that late power play goal that Not really got... Or, sorry, I keep saying yeah, yeah. it, but it was three seconds after the power play. It was the late Jamie Benn goal in the period, which really turned the momentum a bit because I thought Chicago was the better team in the first period. Yeah, they were the better team for the first ten minutes at least. Um, and you have that first goal. I mean, it, it was kind of... Remielli, that, that's great work by Remielli. This morning, Persistent. Uh, Hitch had talked about how he likes the... He likes what Remy's done work ethic-wise because that's really what Remy has to bring to stay on that line. Sure. To stay with uh, to stay with Ben, it's with the line centered by Ben and with Radulov. Um, and, and 
I, probably the prettiest assist of Remy's young NHL career. Um, easily, easy goal for Ben, one nothing. Um, stars are feeling good, and then obviously they take control of that game in the second period, where it's you have Antoine Roussel scores kind of a kind of a uh, cool moment for him to score. The, oh, uh, very cool. First goal after he and his uh, he and his wife had their second child yesterday. He's still wearing the hospital bracelet, um, and then. And you know what, Tyler Sagan, we'll talk about him in a moment, yeah. but he mentioned, we had Tyler on as our post-game guest on the radio show for the ticket, and he made a point to say how excited everybody was for Antoine to score that goal. It was also, and, and I think that was the prevailing storyline of why Roussel enjoyed that. Bruce was saying how, and I'm, he's not wrong, Roussel seems to really like to celebrate playing against Chicago, or scoring against Chicago. Obviously, there's some big ones going back to the penalty shot goal from a few years back, but I also thought that it was a bit of a weight off of his shoulders because Roussel hadn't scored since the Black Friday game where Gary Lettinen's jersey was retired playing against Calgary. He had not gone, he had, he had six games of an injury that he dealt with, a couple different things, so his first goal in almost a month. Yeah, big, real big for him. Um, and that's and, and it was it was kind of it was a, it was a nice that shift in itself just watching from up top. Um, that was a shift where I looked notice. Oh, Tyler Pitlick's back. Where it was kind of like it. Yeah. It was like a nice three she four was minutes. On the bench. It was a nice three four minute stretch of positive things for Dallas because wondered if Pitlick's going to return. We get told from Stars PR that he's questionable to return. Turns out he was he ended up returning. Was he in? Did they, you ask about that after the game? Was he in protocol? Um, we did not ask about so that. Was, they said it was upper body, yeah. and then he returned, and they said he was questionable, which I guess is the second best designation besides probable. But I just wonder if he, he did a pretty hard hit near the penalty box. The best that I could guess, uh, they, they didn't really give us any more. Yeah, he had the one hard hit, and then he actually took one shift after that, um, and then he didn't. Then and then he didn't return. Um, I wonder if a spotter took a look at him. That's something where maybe it's a question for us to ask tomorrow. But either either way, he returns on his first shift back. They score um, go up two nothing, and then we get to Tyler Sagan, who scores twice. Once at uh, on the power play, um, once at five on five. First, I want to talk about the power play a bit more, just about how his role is in the Stars' power play needs to be better. It it's, just, it, the it, last two games, it has been better. It has been better last two games than it needed to be, and. We talked with Hitch about that after the game tonight, about the role that Sagan's been playing in. And I wrote a story about this as well, where Sagan's, he's having Sagan play kind of more of a, a what, what Hitch calls a rover role, where that means instead of waiting in that circle for the one-timer, Tyler is in a position where he can be in front of the net. He can go below the goal I line. I actually call it the where's Tyler on the power play because there are three spots, and we saw him in all three tonight. He was on the half wall for the shot. He was in the high slot where Eve's parked a lot, and he was down low where Jamie's been a lot, and he can be effective in all. I thought it was interesting, though, Sean, that Hitch said in his postgame comments that Tyler's more effective in the, in, 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 tight, in the traffic areas. And I I would have thought, geez, half all? I mean, that's where his bread and butter. He winds up, hits a crushing world-class one-timer. Isn't that his most effective? And he actually likes him down low. Yeah, and I think the way Hitch looks at it there is he looks at it where that's an opportunity where it's harder to, he's less predictable down there, and it's more opportunity to get to get basically the puck on his stick, as opposed to the one, it's, it's not it's a very effective trick, but it's, as opposed to the one-trick pony, it's 
there's more he can do. And from that position, when he's inside there, he can either shoot, he, he has a quick release, he can pass, he can do a number of different things when he does have the puck on his stick. And all four goals coming within a pretty tight radius around the net. And then that fourth goal that makes it really kind of put the game out of reach. Um, it felt like the game was out of reach after the third goal. No, but the fourth one yeah, is really yeah. nails the coffin. Yeah. Devin Shore and uh, Devin Shore and Sagan drive the net hard. Um, Sagan puts it in. Just real greasy, greasy goal to use kind of that cliche there. Um, and then kind of kind of a cool moment that obviously got captured in both the video board and I believe in the television broadcast as well, where uh, Shore and Sagan have a bit of fun on the bench there with. Uh, Sagan throwing a couple uh, forearm shivers, basically, <laughs> to shore on the bench Quick there. Jabs. Yeah. So, um, this was the game. I mean, it was Sagan came into tonight. He had he had not scored in eight games, and while he had had five goals in his past thirteen games, all five of those goals had been split between just two games. He had a three in the hat trick when they played Calgary, and the two goal game in Colorado. Yep. Um, two goal game again tonight, and so. This was one of those where he needed something like this to just kind of to build on, and it's gonna. It, it's if Stars can get Tyler Sagan going, and they can get taking him going with, and if he's playing with uh, maybe at the third one, maybe even gets a third one tonight. If uh, boy, Denmark yeah. to Sagan in the yeah. third. We, oh, we, actually, we, actually, we actually asked Sagan about that uh, about that that third one, and he said he was just waiting for it to come down for forever. It felt like it just floated forever, <laughs> <laughs> and he just wasn't able to get a clean. Because of that, that's probably why looking. That's why Crawford was able to get across right. and make the save there. Um, but this was. As, back to my point on Sagan, this is a big this is big for Sagan and you'd like to see him step up there. It's also interesting to see I'd like to see him playing with that confident swagger. Yes. Because that's when he's at his best. And when he's chasing the goals, okay, you can see a ways on him. Look, I've talked to Sagan on numerous occasions about how you measure yourself and he has transformed his style from being if I score goals I feel like I played well over when it was sort of when he was coming to Dallas to I want the team to win. I want to be a good 200-foot player. I want to be a solid number one center. And it's hard for him and anybody who's a elite goal scorer to not think about not scoring goals for a stretch of time. And so this it absolutely is therapeutic for him to be able to get a couple, not just one, but two is big because then you go, okay, yep, now I don't have to press so hard. You watch, he might turn into the Maybe turn loose for another couple of games. Yeah. And then Stars go into the fourth period. Third period, sorry. Third fourth period. period. I see it four nothing. That's wrong yeah. in a couple of yes, matters. Yes, yes. Wow. Go into the third period up four nothing. Wow, that's um, and that's and then Ben Bishop gets his third shutout of the year, which is always a nice confidence boost for, for him. Um, I thought tonight was Hitch didn't say this, but I felt like him going back to Bishop tonight was a statement to Bishop that you're my guy. That was something, clearly that was something that I looked at it that way, where it was. Um, well, if he goes to Kari, it starts to sow more doubt, doesn't yes. it? Because Kari won a couple games in New York, um, and then they go back to Bishop. It's the second night of a back-to-back. They were riding Lettinen's hot hand, and then he says, "Okay, now we're starting." You know, Bishop had lost four straight games, including the game against the Capitals. And if he goes back to Kari, he would be completely justified. Letting his three or two and one in his last three starts and could easily have won the New Jersey game. And then you turn around and go, well, this guy's lost four in a row. 
I think it was a much more important decision than we really thought about before the game. Yeah, it was, I mean, you, this is something that Bishop can build on. We talked about Sagan building on this game. This is something Bishop can build on, too, where it's a confidence booster. It's something where he knows he was brought in to be the guy. And, yep. and this is something where Hitch is basically telling him, yeah, we're going back to you. We're, this is a big game against Chicago, and we're turning back to you. Um, and we, actually, we would both assume that he's probably playing against Nashville on Saturday as well. Um, oh, I think you have, I have yeah, to yeah, go so back sure, to him again. Sure, so he gets his third shot out of the year. Um, uh, don't you think that Bishop has a little bit of unfinished business to it? Unfinished business to atone for the last time Nashville came to Dallas. Yes, I would agree with that completely. Um, tonight for him, there was a couple... He had a couple moments where he was a bit lucky, but he also, he also made the saves that he needed. There was the... Um, he made the first save, and the Stars' defense actually did a really good job tonight of basically cleaning everything up as well. There was particularly, and we haven't even mentioned his name yet, um, particularly uh, Dan Hamuse was tremendous tonight. Dan Hamuse had a great overall game. He and Greg Patteron were had one of their, and they've been very good. They were, lately, they've been but, really good and steady lately, and they were a, they added extra gear tonight. I thought they were the, that was the best performance they've had this year as a duo, and they've been good lately. This was extra good. Yeah, they were. They were the ones that, if you think about it, you look at the, the big names, the big guns that Chicago brings in. If you weren't looking for them, you wouldn't have realized they were on the ice tonight. I mean, that's they. The Stars did a really good job of limiting. Well, Caves, yes. yes, I noticed Kane. Well, yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. They, they did a great job of uh, the one thing I said that there's this was not an easy shutout for Ben Bishop. It was different because there were some very tricky plays in this one that he had to make. But he didn't have to stop odd man rushes and breakaways with regularity tonight. There were a couple of moments, but you know Schmaltz comes in alone and he stops him one on one. There's a couple of two on ones, but there were a lot of times where those possible chances were broken up by the aforementioned pattern and Hamus. I thought uh, actually all three pairs played well tonight. Yeah. Uh, Lindell and Klingberg were very good. Johnson and it may have been Johnson Hawkins' best game together as a tandem in, in the sense that there weren't a ton of chances allowed on their watch. Yeah, I, yeah, you give me a funny face that our, I, yeah, our I, listeners can't see. I, I look at Johns and Honka's game as I thought they they were good. I thought they were good and they were good and responsible in their own end, and that's what you want to see. That's my point. Uh, yeah, but I, it's one of those things where I I didn't notice them much, which is a good thing. But they, they're a pair that maybe with people with all the hype about what Honka can bring and what they can bring, you'd like to see maybe a little bit more. Okay. Uh, just. Moving the puck, but that's me being overly critical and looking. Right, at I'm thinking like about uh, from a defensive standpoint. There's three defensemen. Yes. Right. There were enough goals to go around that, that what they really had to worry about was getting stuff dealt with in their zone. And I, no, I, and I agree that they were very good. They were very good. Not really. quite meriting the scowl I got from you. In the yeah, moment that's ago. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I I think I was kind of judging that based on what I was looking for. Because um, it's something where you're also—it's funny—and it's something where we can we can talk about this further. But it's I 
that watching that pair is interesting because I've been watching intentionally to see who brings more to the table each night because there's going to be a decision for who's going to come yes, out. Yes, there is. And so it becomes, it's one of those things where it's... it's one of those two. Yeah, it's one of those two. Uh, it, it, it won't be for at least two more games because uh, Ken Hitchcock, after the last car cast, we didn't know this, but at the time Ken Hitchcock said yesterday that yep. uh, Mark Mathot won't play before Christmas. He needs some practices and he probably won't play in Nashville oh. next week. So, you uh, mean in Minnesota? In Minnesota, sorry. There's no yeah, practice yeah. time yeah. until the Stars play in Minnesota, so it'll have to be after that game. And so then he plays St. Louis on Friday the 29th. It's, it's either that or maybe New Year's Eve against the Sharks. Maybe. Um, but stick on this game um, here. Overall, I think it's also somewhat fitting that Ken Hitchcock gets his 800th career win in a game where his team shuts down defensively and locks down on the defense. It was a it was a prototypical Hitch style win, which was you get the goals on timely chances, you lose the shot attempts battle, which isn't really losing it because when you're in the lead, you don't have to push the game like that. But to have the kind of shot blocks and the lane clogging that is a uh, you know, normal hitch kind of game. It was. It was. I thought it was very poetic that he did it against the guy that is the active leader in Joel Quenville, the only other active NHL head coach with 800 plus wins. And that was. A, that was a nice touch. And that was something. Yep. Where hitch is not a guy. He's not a sentimental guy. He doesn't like to. He doesn't like to look back on things. I um, disagree. I think he is. I just don't think he likes to talk about it with the media as much. Well, but he seems to be very aware of those things. He is aware, but he doesn't like to. He likes to put himself in check. He, well, no, so, let's put it this way. He doesn't want to overly talk about himself. But I, I still think he has a very sentimental streak in that regard. He does, but he, he likes to put himself in check. In. But here's, here's a story, actually, I have for, for this. Okay. Uh, um, this is something I... I only know because I did an interview with, uh, when I did an interview with him for my book that comes out next year. By the way, it would be a good Christmas oh, gift shameless plug. Shameless plug. 100 things Stars fans should yep, know and do before they die. 2018 Christmas yes. shopping 2018 done Christmas shopping done. Um, only but, 368 days to go. Yes. But. 69. I don't know. Something I did not know until I did that interview with him was, I mean, you've been in his office now. Yes. He said, this is the first time he has ever hung pictures in his office. Otherwise, it's been bland. It's been bland, nothing in this. So this is the first time he's ever allowed himself to hang pictures in his office of past teams, of other accomplishments, of things like that, because he's a guy who's always wanted to, he didn't want to be reminded, he didn't want to live in the past about anything. Fair enough. Um, so it's just, it's, it's, it's an interesting, he doesn't like... I think deep down it's like anyone. If I mean, it's if you have an accomplishment about anything in life, if you get a promotion at work, you're gonna be happy about it. But you don't, you might not be boastful about it. I think that's where kind of how Hitch is. Sure, he's he doesn't like to talk about himself that much. He said a couple nice things tonight. Uh, Some modesty there. Yeah, and obviously it was nice. Uh, it was very classy move by Quenville to take the extra time to uh, come over and uh, congratulate him. But, well, let's face it, both of these guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame, right? They're the second and third winningest coaches in NHL history, trailing only the great Scotty Bowman. They will. They both won Stanley Cups as coaches. They will be Hall of Famers someday. And I think they both know they've had a very, they've had successful coaching careers, but they're not done yet, so they don't want to spend too much time uh, praising their, their accomplishments and their laurels and, and get complacent with what their job is, which is this team now. 
Yeah. And it's... It, it was funny to watch the... And it was funny to see the back and forth. Not directly, but just the quotes. We asked, we asked each about them this morning. I asked, yes. I asked Hitch about, uh, about Quinville, and I asked Quinville about Hitch. And it was funny to see... Uh, um, how Hitch is always Quentinville pointed out how Hitch is always working to to to, to, to get it to get to, to spit a story and how uh, always mind games because uh, Hitch this morning if you didn't see the call it gamesmanship gamesmanship yeah uh, gamesmanship smokescreen changing the direction whatever you want to call it misdirection but Hitch basically basically the way Hitch talked about Quenville this morning was he basically said Quenville was basically God's gift to hockey and that before I mean all he was missing was the fact that was missing a line along the lines of like before hockey before before there was Joel Quenville there was no hockey uh, <laughs> basically talked about how he's the greatest bench boss in the game and we, we told Quenville about this and Quenville said oh 100% he's he's trying to just blowing smoke ah <laughs> uh, Hitch so but it's still a cool thing, though. I mean, it's NHL history. I mean, I don't know how I don't know if I'll ever get to cover another game where a coach wins eight hundred wins eight hundred per game. It's only happened three times now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. again, to be not just successful, but to do that for that length of time is a real testament to your abilities and you know the fact that you keep getting jobs because coaches are the old cliche is coaches are hired to be hired right. to be fired and and they take the blame and as well as the credit and as any boss or executive gets probably more a little bit more credit maybe but it also more of the blame than deserve on that so i think that that's pretty cool to celebrate but ultimately i think that hitch would love to i don't think this is a really bold statement but he'd love to bookend his dallas stars and his coaching career with another championship yeah I think that's uh, yeah, that's not a that's not a reach at all. No, <laughs> almost all the coaches would, but mm -hmm. but yeah, no. The, the the other side of this is that the stars, Sean, I think have shown some things, good and bad, with Mark Mathot being out. Mm -hmm. That is really important because Mathot really was the stability linchpin of the defense, and I think Hammies and Pattern have had to step up and fill that role more. As well as Lindell and Klingberg, who I think have really grown as a pair this year as well as last year, with Mathot's absence. And it's been good for this team to find ways to win because they've gone through some struggles without Mathot. Their penalty kill for a good stretch of time when he was out was pretty good and then really not so good. Mm -hmm. And then, so, you know, you get him back. You get Martin Hansel healthy. And suddenly, you have a couple of huge minute munchers on the penalty kill that can play key things, uh, especially with Mathot. He's going to play a ton of minutes, but he's not going to be on your power play, and it takes a lot of pressure off and some energy saving for some other guys, and I'm a big proponent of that. You know, Some of the coaches that I've worked for in my hockey career, whether uh, in the AHL or the NHL or even the UHL, uh, I really find a lot of success when you have players that do specialize in one part of special teams but not the other, PK specialists or power play, so that you use more of your bench and you don't just play the same eight or nine players for all of those situations. So that, and I think that will really help the Stars to have another specialist on the, the penalty kill side. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think we're starting to see um, 
Martin Hansel is starting to play a lot better. Right well, you know, like let's face it, he needed to get up to speed. Yes. He hasn't had that opportunity. The more he plays and, and stays healthy, and when he crashed into Crawford tonight, he got tripped by Seabrook. That was a dangerous play, by the way. It was almost a slew foot. Mm -hmm. um, I was really worried because he's had such bad luck. You go, oh, gosh, please don't let Hansel be hurt again because he has had that luck that he's, that would have been another one. So it was mm -hmm. good to see him get back up and be okay. Oh, well, let's, let's let's wait till practice. All right, fair enough. Because it's that that seems what happens with Hansel, where we find out we get to practice the next day and find yes. out about yeah, it. Yeah, well, let's hope that's so, not the case. So, hope not. But yeah, so <laughs> knock on wood that I didn't jinx Marty at all. But no, you're absolutely right. I, I talked to him in Farmers Branch earlier this week, and you could just see him light up. He admitted, you know, here's a veteran player that's been around for a long time how mentally challenging this season has been so far because he's been sort of outside of the group for a lot of these rehab moments of trying to get healthy and it's also frustrating to play NHL games when you're not back up to speed because you don't feel like you're up, you're you're able to contribute as fully as you know you can and I, if you give Hansel another couple of weeks and he can stay healthy, you're going to really see something. You're already seeing it, but I think he'll he even have more to give. You say up to speed, and it is. It has been kind of common. And I'm not trying to. This is it's. This is just from an observation standpoint. And I'm not even saying it's been a bad line. I thought it was worked well. To, thought it worked well tonight. But it is kind of comical to watch Jamel Smith work with Jason Spezza and Martin Hansel. Two like, different. Uh, there's two different speed two different sets. Different gears. Yes. Like for example, there's and the, sizes too. Yeah, right? Spezza and Hansel are big men. Oh, very tall. We go back to. I mean, my favorite quote of the season this year so far is going back to the one game Jamie Alexiak, who actually played his first game for the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight, was was playing played forward, and he he was with uh, Smith and Hansel, and Jamel Smith told me that he was the muscle and he had to protect them. <laughs> <laughs> but it was another line that Mr. Smith. Like tonight, there was it was there was a, there's two stretches where the that line was back checking, and Smith. Hansel and Spezza were all at the offensive face of dots around the same time. By the time Smith was to the opposite blue line, the gap between the three of them <laughs> had grown quite a bit. And that's not I'm not even trying I'm not trying to rip on anyone right now, but it's just comical it was just comical and something I thought of when you talk about up to speed. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of those guys, I thought Jamel had a nice night tonight. I thought Remy Ellie had a good night. Mm -hmm. Highlighted by with, the assist, obviously. Playing yeah. with Ben and Radulov. Of course, the assist, but just in general, he uh, is starting to maybe feel the confidence of playing with those guys a little bit more because, you know, look, for a large part, he looked like uh, Antoine Roussel 2.0. Mm -hmm. And Bruce has skill. He's not a just a dump and chase guy, but that, let's face it, he does that. He's a, he very much likes to point A to point B, north south kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And but I just these little moments of stick handling and some skill showing from Ali's game that I think you know changes when you play with different types of players. And, and I think this is a good experience for him. A long term, I don't think that's his role uh, personally. I don't. Yeah, maybe not what the stars want to see. Yeah, personally, I, long term, I don't think I, I think that I don't think that's his role. I think I I prefer to see him as in the crash and bang line. More of the crash and bang line, or if even 
something along the lines of maybe maybe eventually you get back to putting uh, Ben back on his wing and putting Sagan back up top with them. Just it, it's still yep. It, 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 those are still all other options, but I you could that so, could happen if Hansel yes. it makes another stride if so, they decided that they wanted to put him up with Yanmark and Shore or somebody like that. They could in theory, but I really do see. Hitch's idea, or not his idea, it's not just coming from him, I mean, they've tried it before, mm -hmm. but to separate them if they can sustain production, because they've been better together for large chunks of the year than apart, but if they can sustain it, it gives Dallas a much bigger matchup problem for their opposition. It's, so it's funny to think about, and it's something I wanted to, I had written, that I had thought about, and I wanted to bring up, and... It's funny to think about how, well, Hitch is quite a line juggler. I mean, you know, people talked about how much Lindy juggled line, and Hitch has juggled has, has juggled beyond what Lindy ever did. I think so. Um, Hitch already has done already more than 50 line combinations heading into his, the Washington game well, past well, week. You talked to Barry Trotz yeah. on, Wednesday, on Tuesday, yeah. and he was uh, very much supporting that line yeah. of thought. Yeah, I talked to Barry Trotz on Tuesday when Trotz was... Trotz had lines on the board, and then he was talking to the Washington radio guys, I believe it was, and we were talking about how much Hitch juggles lines, and, and, and Barry got out a, and Barry got out, they have their, so in the visiting locker room, since I realize not, I need some context here for people who don't, so in the visiting locker room, there's a white, there's a whiteboard in the visiting locker room, there's a, there's one in the home room yeah, too, but there's a whiteboard in the visiting locker room where the other team typically writes the stars' lines on for Four their players to see, goalies, yeah. Right. The anticipated lineup, and it's always and so the lines the Capitals had on there were wrong, basically. They essentially they weren't what the Stars had run in practice the That's day right. before, um, and so after getting them from the media, from getting them from the media and the and the radio play by play guys, uh, Barry Trotz basically takes out the takes out the uh, dry erase marker and starts drawing and moving guys all over. It was kind of funny to watch where he's got, because he still had the Ben Sagan Radulov line as the top line all of a sudden. Which has been a while. But he's, so he's got, he's got, he had like, you can imagine, it looked like a football coach, like drawing plays, like basically like moving names and drawing lines and everything like that. So Hitch juggles lines. And this is obviously in the... Not a secret. Not a secret, and obviously Trotz knows that well. Him and Hitch get together every summer and actually exchange ideas. Um, but... Hitch juggles lines. He likes to do that. One thing he talked about going all the way back when he first came here and talked about was like, I like, he likes to have his twosomes. <laughs> he likes to have his twosomes and line that I guess it was just a throwaway line. Of, if those twosomes ever don't work, I failed as a coach, which clearly was broken throw, those up quickly. It was a throwaway line. But it's been interesting now. If you look at it, we're three months into this season. A couple twosomes actually have developed. Yes. You look at it. But they've also broken up those two. They, they've, broke, they've broken them up. And they, then re reunited they, They've re them up. But if you look at it, you you, you start to look at some right. of those. And these are not the ones that you would have predicted before the season, as in, because we all thought, obviously, okay, well, Ben and Sagan will stay together. That's right. something we always thought. Well, And Radulov is the extra guy. It turned out it's more Ben and Radulov, but even that's been broken up it, in it, the last it, two weeks. It has. But you look at it, all of a sudden you've seen something along. Ben, Radulov, Sagan, and Shore. Sagan and Shore. Um, it's been... Fox and Pitlick slash Russo. I mean, the yeah. three of them are sort of a separate. That, that, that but line even is kind of and Hazel. Yeah, went healthy. Went healthy, which has like, not been a lot this yeah. year. So it's it's just it's been kind of interesting for us to kind of look at it, just how it's evolved over. Quickly, talking about that, um, barring an injury, 
I don't see a way that Brett Ritchie gets back in the lineup anytime in the next few games. Do you? Uh, I don't, and I, frankly, Brett Ritchie hasn't done anything since he's when he was Ritchie. He's going to have to wait patiently until the next time there's an opportunity, and then he is going to have to do something to try to cement a spot in the lineup. Yeah. Because he has, he was firmly in that group, but now it's been ebbing slowly away. He He's needs, the extra guy right now. He needs, and well, the other thing that Brett Ritchie did, and we talk about guys playing, we talk about, to go back to your point about needing guys who can play on the power play and the penalty kill and need specialists. Brett Ritchie played himself out of that specialist role. He was in the power play. He was in the power play. Group, yeah. He was in the power play and didn't do anything. Didn't do anything at all. Um, and let's face it, he's a scorer. Yeah. He's not a big setup guy. He, he can do that, but typically he's a goal scorer. <laughs> and he has not been scoring goals. No, and so Brett Ritchie has become a guy who becomes, he's basically turned into a, essentially, a, you can really only use him at five on five. And he really needs an injury, which you don't ever want to hope no. for. Or he needs somebody to have a particularly bad game. Or, or, games, or yep. maybe you look at, okay, maybe there's a back-to-back where somebody's, you're just trying to be concerned to, to get a, some fresh life. Yep. So not, there's not many opportunities coming for him. Um, no. So it's... Which is something that you probably, uh, obviously we didn't expect that, because, you, I mean, we go back to early in the season, there had been hope that, hey, maybe Brett Ritchie can be that guy that can step up and score 25 goals. Top six guy, maybe, on the wing. Like, they needed, I really think they need another scoring winger. Mm-hmm. Uh, because both Ritchie and Spezza haven't been scoring to the predict, predicted impact that we thought they might be. So, that being said, I think there's still something... And I'm not sure if that answer is within the group right now. We'll see. I, mean, I, look, I, uh, I, I would love to see Shores pick up some of that slack. But like you said earlier, you're not sure if Remy Ellie long-term is an option there. So if, if that's the case, then I don't know. Ellie keeps surprising me because, you know, if you said a couple years ago he's going to be on the top line with Ben and, and Radulov, I might have said, I, I don't believe you. I wouldn't have Just like I wouldn't have thought that Jamel Smith would be a featured guy on the NHL roster. So they've really surprised me in a positive way, and you know, we'll see where they go with that. I wouldn't have believed myself if I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Those are two of the better... I mean, it's we look at Shore, and Shore had a good... I thought Shore had a good game tonight, and Shore has had some assists, but playing... Not getting the power play time, not getting power play time, and playing less minutes... Jamel Smith and Remy Elliott are both outscoring him. Like yes. you just look at just pure finishing. Yep. That's just the fact. Um, Devin Shore is just Devin Shore is kind of hard enough not to crack in general because it's something where I don't think he can finish. It's something where I think it's shown that he can't really finish. But he passes the eye test to me, but he just doesn't. And a lot of times his numbers, are his very bad. statistics, don't match up with what we see. On the ice, whether it's uh, plus minus, whether it's not finishing, like you're talking about scoring on straight up shooting. Mm-hmm. I think that he can score a lot more within five feet of the net. He's pretty good in that and hasn't been able to do that enough because I love the way he drives with the puck, drives it to the net. He, a lot of guys will go wide and then end up going behind it. Shore cuts in front of the net a lot with traffic and causes a lot of trouble. I'd like to see a few more of those go in. I mean, 
you were covering him when he was lighting it up in the AHL with the Texas Stars before an injury. Yeah. He could score then. He went harder than that. He did the right things. Um, so He's still young. He's still young. hope for him yet. Yeah. Well, so Stars, this was a big win for them. He needed something like this. Um, now, big game coming up on Saturday against Nashville. Yep. And that's a game where you win that one, all of a sudden you're feeling really good headed to that. Because even though they lost two games, they had lost three in a row coming to this one, you win, you pick up the win, you're, you pick up a win against Nashville, you're actually looking to go into the break with four points. Mm -hmm. Points in four straight games, and, and it works pretty well. So, um, that's the car cast for, uh, for this game, and we'll be back on Saturday.